0: This is the Kamloops Insider with Parker Bennett. Okay, hey everybody. Welcome to the Kamloops Real Estate Insider Podcast. This is episode 23 and we have an exciting lineup today of interesting topics to talk about insurance related. But before I get into that, I did want to speak a little bit about the median house price, which is aggressively high this month at $473,000. Yep. What was it, Philippa, last year at this time?
1: 437.
0: Okay, so that's pretty significant. Why do you think that is?
1: Because um, more houses in the upper echelon of prices are selling.
0: Okay. You don't think my house is worth $36,000 more? No, I don't.
1: There's less houses in that 300 to 450 category that are selling.
0: Well, that's the right answer.
1: Oh, yay. Good job. Is there a scoreboard in here? Is there a scoreboard in here? Yeah. Okay.
0: Phillip has got one. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so a little bit of stats. In 2017, out of 851 sales that would apply to the median house price, meaning no condos, no apartments, no modular homes, um, of those 851 that sold, 273 were listed between 350 and 450 so if you consider that number and you think about today's numbers only 196 so the reason the median house price is so high is because the houses that are being sold just aren't the ones in our median house price range yeah they're more expensive they're houses. More expensive
1: yeah. yeah that makes sense
0: 550 to 650 mm-hmm. is where a good bulk of the action is, ha- is happening from
2: mm-hmm.
0: interesting to note Last year, at this time, 14 days on the market was the median, or let's say the average days on the market for those 851 sales. Yeah. That's pretty awesome.
1: That is mm-hmm. yeah. pretty quick, hey?
0: What is it today? I didn't check. <laughs> Let me get to that. <laughs> In the meantime, let's introduce the Camloops Real Estate Insider podcast team. And although we are a podcast team, we are not a real estate team because we are not registered as one. So just putting that out there, yeah. <laughs>
1: just so y'all know out there.
0: Okay, so I want to introduce everybody from their origins. Oh. <laughs> starting with, the, starting with the largest bulk of people. So it, your origin has to be from the greatest masses. Oh God. Yeah. Okay.
3: Are we supposed okay, to just yeah, guess yeah, who yeah, that it, is? Is this for no, the
0: scoreboard I, too? Because <laughs> any guesses? I promise you it's not oh, me. Oh, from
3: the largest masses, uh, that would be me. I we, would say Allie. We have uh, I got 36 m- million. Really?
2: That's in the country.
0: Okay.
3: Oh, in my hometown, we have 13 million, 20 million? Hometown of? That's pretty close, actually. Ho- say it, if say you it for us, it would be right in there. Okay, so say it's it 17 up. million. No, but say your hometown A Buenos Aires, Argentina. Oh. Say it again. Buenos Aires.
0: Oh, you wrecked it for me. Like I had it pronounced out okay, here, so I could there you
3: say go. it. to say it again. No, now that you it. said it like that, <laughs> I can't compete. It's so sexy.
0: Okay, so the next one.
3: So when I said seventeen million,
1: that's my hometown. Yeah, that's my hometown.
0: You recognize that? <laughs> yeah.
1: And you're the only one wearing a hat.
0: Your national anthem's on. You're wearing a hat.
1: Taking it off. Have you seen my hair today?
0: Okay, we'll just pretend. (laughs) Let me watch this, Okay, Republic (laughs) of Zimbabwe.
1: Formerly known as Zimbabwe. Formerly known as Rhodesia.
0: South Rhodesia.
1: Um. What. What what am I supposed to say about it?
0: I don't know. Nothing. Do you know how many people currently occupy that location?
1: Currently. Um, No, but I know that it's like less than a percent. White African and a 99% Black African. Okay. Now. Yeah, now. That's quite significant. Yeah. And yeah, back yeah. then. Not so much.
0: More of a closer number. Yeah,
1: yeah, a lot of a lot of people left.
0: Okay, I got 16 million.
1: 16 million, hey.
0: 16 million people. Wow. Okay. Uh, moving on down the saturated human geograph. Uh, <laughs> Emma, our Tasmanian devil, but not from. Tasmania. No,
2: thankfully.
0: Melbourne, Australia. How did you say it? Melbourne, Australia. Melbourne. <laughs> I knew she'd correct me. I was going to say something like that at the very beginning. No, Don't Melbourne. correct me.
3: Melbin. Bin. B I N. Melbin.
0: But it's not spelt that way. No,
3: it's not. But that's how it's pronounced.
0: All right. Melbin. Now you know. See, you're getting informed on this podcast. Do you have any idea what the number is? Oh wait! You watched me do it.
2: Yeah, I was there when you did the research. Four point eight
0: million. Okay, four point three. Close enough. Jeez, we're way ahead. I yeah. I come from a place with twenty eight hundred people. By the way, twenty eight hundred people. So I'm at the bottom of the trough. <laughs> I was gonna start it by saying, <laughs> do you f- do you feel like you're in the top twenty eight hundred people of your country? Because well, I, mine's in, c- I, I I buggered down to the city. And what? That's just the popularity.
3: Okay, oh. I'm super popular. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right moving along um our guest today from wilson m beck insurance uh keely cahill yes
2: is that how you
0: pronounce your last name
2: yes exactly
0: perfect tell us about yourself
2: well i, I grew up in clinton which is a town of 800 people oh you beat me <laughs> oh, <laughs> <laughs> write it on the scoreboard yeah
0: top 800 people in their popularity contest
2: yeah i'm number one yeah nice. <laughs> girl.
0: so what was it like growing up in clinton
2: uh, it was a lot of fun. I didn't know any different. Um, Kamloops was kind of the big city that we would always come to, but it was a lot of fun. I still have friends with most of the kids I graduated with, yep. although there was only ten of us, so it wasn't like <laughs> I have a, a ton of people to keep in contact with. But it was wonderful.
0: Was it a race to get to Kamloops out of yes. high school? Yeah.
2: Yes, it really was. <laughs> most of us came here right after high school.
0: So, do you like do you hunt and fish? And ride 4 by 4s or anything like that?
2: I grew up riding horses. <laughs> on a. I grew up on a little farm just outside of Clinton. So we okay. rode horses and we had cows and dogs and Perfect. did all that kind of fun stuff.
0: Awesome. Okay. Um, tell us about your insurance company that you work for.
2: So I work for Wilson and Beck Insurance. We're recently relocated. Recently, yeah. In November of last year, I joined that group. Okay. Um, we just had our one-year anniversary being open in Kamloops. Yep. It's a company that's based out of Vancouver. Um, Wilson Beck is an actual human being, and he started the company in the 80s. Uh, he really wanted to have a family-owned insurance business, like a mom and pa style shop. He felt it gives better customer service. He's able to get to know his clientele a little better. So and he hasn't changed a thing. He wants us to run just how he did back in the eighties and we're going strong.
0: Cool. Actually before I'd heard of the insurance company, if you would have told me asked me what Wilson M. Beck was, I would have guessed a craft logger. <laughs> it yeah. kind of oh, has that. That yeah. Yeah.
2: I'll have to pass that on. Scott Lord, <laughs> one of our producers, owns BC Brew Company, so oh perfect. I'll tell him you should create one just for Wilson.
0: There you go. <laughs> you can give it out to your clients. Um, so like, if, if you were to answer the question, why Wilson, Wilson back, Like, what what stands out? Now you just mentioned that it's more of a mom and type organization, more of a family feel, maybe more of a connected feel as opposed to a digital
2: definitely internet yeah.
0: web lead type feel
2: definitely it's more uh referral based we don't have an icbc license we don't do auto insurance we're primarily construction commercial uh based and they brought me on to look after the residential and the farm uh side aspect as that's what my niche is yep. um it's just nice to not be you know like a a walk in walk out it's really nice to get to know your customers and get to know your clients and you build a really good relationship which is nice and it allows us to kind of find out what our clients are into are they into mountain biking well then they've probably got really expensive bikes so we need to talk to them about coverage on that so it it allows us to get dig a little bit deeper into what our clients needs are uh, which I think benefits the customer, and it definitely um, benefits us getting to know our clients a little bit better. It gives us a better relationship.
0: Nice. And so explain to me, Rob Lemire, he's, he's your chief?
2: He is our fearless leader. Okay. Um, he opened up Wilson Beck here in Kamloops a year ago, and he's just super motivated, really nice guy. He's very involved in the community, which... Yeah. It's really nice. We get to meet lots of fun, interesting people and go to lots of fun, interesting events. So he he's wonderful. He's definitely our our fearless leader.
0: I mean if you've ever been in the if you've ever heard or talked about the insurance industry in Calvin's for the last, you know, at least decade or so, um Rob's name's come up quite a few times, so I know he's very vested in that industry.
2: Definitely. I think he's on his seventeenth or eighteenth year in the industry. Oh wow. Yeah. So.
0: Cool. And he gets the big office at the back.
2: He gets the big office at the back. Yeah, he deserves it.
0: And I, I totally missed your guys' open house.
2: Yeah, we had an open house last week. It went really well. We just oh, did, finished our big renovation, so it was really nice to open the doors and have customers and friends and family come and check it out. So it was, it was a great time.
0: And where are you guys located?
2: We are Unit 3550 Lawrence Street. So we're in the old Keg parking lot and we face the river.
0: Cool. Oh, nice.
2: Yeah, it's a great view.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Okay, home insurance. Um, When you're purchasing a property, at least a residential property, but more so along the lines of um, a residential property, in our contracts, we typically write in a clause, a condition that says something along the lines that go out, get insurance, get happy terms and a happy quote and a happy um, start date for your insurance before you can remove that condition. So I think it's a little more professionally written than that, but that's the gist of what our clause is. And so the, and I think in the past, that condition has been one condition that has been left to the last minute in almost every case. Yeah. Right. It's a condition that most people just assume I got to go to the insurance company and just punch my card and get my insurance. So tell us about what, what do you need to do in order to get your home insurance quote?
2: Definitely. So It should not be left to last minute because normally when that happens, something usually comes up where we either need more information or it adds a lot of stress if you leave it too long. Um, The best way to get the process started is to get your realtor or yourself to send me a copy of the listing and some basic personal information, names, date of birth, um, current address, and years of insurance history just to get the ball rolling. The process can be really smooth if you're given the um, appropriate amount of time otherwise when it gets rushed it definitely adds a lot of stress to to the clients it's already a stressful time purchasing a home
0: so so how much time do you need how much time would be a good time when would be a good time to come in and see you in let's say a two-week due diligent period you make an offer today we usually try to build a two-week time frame to get financing home inspection insurance amongst some other conditions that may come into
2: Definitely. If a good week and a half before your subjects are to be removed, uh, just to make sure that we can check off all the boxes and we're not missing anything and we don't find out something's missing after you've already removed your subjects.
0: Okay. Wow. So here's an interesting fact. We usually wait. I I don't say we, I mean me. Usually wait till after the home inspection, which is tilled around somewhere near the end. Yeah. Because that's Mm -hmm. a good time to get facts, right?
2: Definitely. Yeah.
0: But we, it might be a good idea to do it kind of early on. Maybe in the, the the showing where they kind of give you the nod that they're going to write the offer, we should be starting to make notes on ages of appliances, type of wiring.
2: Definitely. And, and to get the ball rolling so at least we have the basic information. So by the time the home inspection is completed and sent out to the clients, then they can send it to us at that point and we can just read through it and make sure that all of our dates match up. Yeah. But the ball's already rolling, so it's a lot less stressful at that point. Okay. Um, how about getting a list from you?
3: Maybe that is the f- step number Definitely. one. Instead of trying to get insurance, just go to the insurance company, get a list of the information you need. Because sometimes I find that uh, people are sitting in front of to get insurance, and they're texting me, what's the age of the roof, what is this, what is that? And uh, just to get a list, and that's what I sometimes suggest to my clients, go to the insurance company and get a list of the information you need so you can start collecting it. So Definitely if you do yeah. go the last day, at least you have everything with you.
2: Yeah. Definitely, yeah. I, I do have a sheet created for that purpose. Um, it lists all the basic information that we're going to need to get the bowl rolling. And if the clients are able to fill it out and email it to me, they, at least, like I said, you're you're in the process, things are starting, and we can finish it up after the home inspection.
0: Cool. Yeah, we would totally, we were just talking about that before the podcast about creating a list so that we could be giving that out kind of at the offer stage definitely, so that yeah. the data can start it to be collected. And then that way we can submit and we, we can be a, a source to get that information to you so that it's done at the earlier stages as opposed to being at the tail end.
2: No, definitely. You can, you can definitely have the list. Yeah, yeah. Cool.
0: What are, what are some of the hiccups that you run into with stuff?
2: The bigger hiccups, uh, or the more common hiccups, I should say, are just the age of, of a pl- or roofs, um, plumbing, electrical. Older homes tend to have either aluminum wiring in them, which insurance companies do not like, um, or the roof is reaching that 25-year mark. The insurance companies aren't fans of that either. So it's just making sure we have the list of updates. Um, the four main um, aspects that we look at are roof, plumbing, heating, and electrical.
0: Okay.
3: So
2: as long as we know kind of where we stand on those, uh, we can get the process go- uh, started. The other thing, in the home inspection, even if it's an older furnace or older electrical, if if they've checked everything out and it's saying, you know, it's all copper wiring, it's all still approved, you're still good to go, insurance companies are, are okay to look at uh, that older home, knowing that an inspector's gone in, checked everything out, and said that it's okay.
0: Okay. So is there liability concerns from a perspective of let's say having a 55 year old Cadillac furnace in a house
2: they it depends on the insurance company to be honest if you're having that 1955 uh, furnace serviced annually and whoever's servicing it is saying it's still in great working condition we'll just keep servicing it then there's no problems um some insurance companies might say, well, even though he's saying that it's been serviced and it's fine, you should replace it. So it depends right. who you're going with. But if you're maintaining and, and you're getting in, um, serviced and checked, then usually they're okay with that.
0: Okay. So where I'm going with that is I can totally understand why the age of a roof would be a consideration to an insurance company, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a number. Of, there's an age that's kind of a, an important
2: yeah, so Remember, with right? the shingle roofs, it's usually 25-year
0: mark. 25-year mark. So if you've got a 20-year roof, you, you know, you're okay. But if you have a 25- to 30-year-old to roof, then there there's some red flags going up from the insurance company for sure. Definitely, right. yes. Yeah. Okay. I could see that. I could see wiring for sure. Aluminum wiring or knob and tube wiring or
2: mm-hmm.
0: maybe just a 1960s house that hasn't had any updates yet, right? Yeah. That could cause fire hazard, yeah. it be shock hazard, all kinds of stuff there, but I don't understand from an insurance perspective, do they care at the age of the furnace? I even get the hot water tank, like that's a flood waiting to happen, yeah, but if there's an old furnace that's going to cool the house down because it's not functional is there any implications to an insurance company?
2: Yes, because there are quite a few claims that have happened where those furnaces have been found the because of fires in homes. Okay, interesting. Um, or we've had other clients who've had people in to fix their furnace or they're servicing the furnace, and it catches fire while they're doing it. So right. there is definitely a, a liability to the insurance company when it comes to the older furnaces, right. strictly based on claims that they've had in the past.
0: Okay. Yeah. If someone were to, maybe I'm elaborating too deep here, but I'm getting off track. totally. <laughs> Let's say you were to have friends over and your friend were to break their ankle on the staircase or whatever, and they were to sue. There's, there's insurance for that. like yes. liability. Yeah. And what if they came in and they slept in the basement and nobody sleeps in the basement and you have a really old furnace and there's a leak in the heat exchanger and they... Mm-hmm. They they take carbon monoxide way too much and they and they die. Would that be an insurable issue?
2: Um, yeah, it would be if you're found okay. legally liable for something. If somebody's able to sue you and they deem you're you're legally liable, you were negligent in maintaining your furnace. Right. I could see, you know, that winning, and that's what your liability is there for. It's wow. to protect you okay. when you're found legally liable.
0: I guess I could see why you'd want to make sure your furnace is okay.
1: <laughs> Definitely.
0: <laughs> okay. Um, I'll get back on track. The I have a question. Yeah.
1: So what happens when the buyer says, no problem, yep, this furnace is old, yep, this roof is old, whatever it is, we'll replace it. And renegotiate, put that in the cost. And so now they're going to fix that, but once they've bought the house.
2: Yeah, that happens quite often. So what insurance companies will do and again it kind of varies depending on what who the company is um, but they'll say, we'll give you 60 to 90 days to have mm-hmm. it completed. Gotcha. Or if they've already booked a roofer to come or, you know, whoever the tradesperson is that's going to come do any repairs, if they've booked that person already and they're able to provide a work order saying it's going to be done in three months or something, you know, down the road, yeah. insurance yeah. companies are generally okay with that because okay. they know that the, the new owner is going to have the work completed. Okay. And if they don't, um, the insurance company can cancel them as that would be a condition on their policy saying that that must be done. So if they don't do it, the insurance company has the right to cancel them by registered letter.
0: Okay. Interesting. Mm. Good to know. Okay. Um, Okay. We are getting on in the summer months and Kamloops has a tendency to be centralized into a really significant fire hazard area, forest fire. Mm -hmm. And we got hit early this year with a couple early, fairly large fires. And so let's talk about the significance of buying a home, requiring a new insurance policy on that home as part of a condition, and not being able to get insurance because there is a fire nearby.
2: Yeah, so last year was, was a massive year for forest fires. Um, this year, I think I checked the map this morning. I think there's 17 active forest fires in BC right now and four or five fires of note so just meaning you know of a larger size uh, we're lucky here in Kamloops that they have we haven't had too many close uh, close to town it's really important to make sure that you get your insurance started the process rolling as soon as possible and um, So that kind of once you know, once the subjects are removed, you know your completion date, and we're within the 30 days of the home actually being yours, we can place insurance on the home. Um, If there's a forest fire within 50 kilometers, and that's, again, that's an average. It it depends on the insurance company. But uh, it's usually around 50 kilometers of the address. Uh, The insurance company has the right to say, no, we can't insure your home.
0: Interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay, Hmm. so 30 days. Yes, yeah. Okay, I'm going to set a scenario for you. Um, I'm shopping with clients tonight, and they decide to make an offer on a property, and we get it accepted, and we have a two-week due diligence period, and the potential possession date is going to be August 31st, way out there. And so they go see you, and you give them a...
2: Get a letter of insurability.
0: Okay. Letter of insurability, indicating that all things would appear at this time to be good at a certain rate from a certain underwriter, and we're now just waiting for you to give us the go-ahead that you're purchasing the house.
2: Correct, yeah. Okay?
0: So, as a as a consumer, as, as the, the potential buyer, they feel, if their realtor hasn't explained this vigorously to them, or their insurance mm-hmm. uh, broker, that... Insurance is a good thing. It's goal. Cool, and we're just waiting now to, to, to get closer to the date that we move in, right? Yes. So let's yeah. say the property is in Barnhartville. And Mony Lake gets a, a fire starts in Monty Lake, Monty Lake region. And it's fairly small in size. and it's f- But it's not out of control. But this fire lags on to very close to possession date. Let's say August 15th. And the buyer is now going in and seeing you and just kind of wanders in and says, hey, I just wanted to get my insurance going for this property. And you're like, no insurance. Because you have a fire within, what's the radius of, what's the magic number? 50,
2: 50, usually 50, 50 kilometers?
0: Okay, so 50 kilometers away. And now the buyer is stuck because they're contractually obligated to purchase a home in in two weeks' time. Mm -hmm. But... They cannot get insurance, and their mortgage company is saying, no insurance, no money. So what's the significance?
2: What happens? So it really, it's one of those things that varies so much. In that scenario, um, it's a smaller fire, not out of control. A lot of the times, depending on, on what companies he's eligible to be with, we can go to them and uh, kind of explain the situation. I use Google Maps, the BC Wildfire map. This time of year, it's open on my desktop all the time. Right. Um, the biggest thing is if you're able to call your underwriters at the insurance companies and just ask, I mean, the worst that they're going to say is no, but uh, you have to try for the clients, especially in cases like that where you know it might not be a, a massive forest fire or it may have just started. Right. Um, the letter of insurability, I think, was a little bit misunderstood last year. I think a lot of buyers yes. did think that that mm-hmm. was their confirmation of insurance. Um, the letter itself usually states, you know, based on the information provided by these clients on this date, the home is insurable as long as it's, you know, completed within 30 days. Um, as long as they, it does specifically list as long as there are no forest fires uh, or massive flooding but it was definitely taken as, this is my confirmation of insurance. Okay. Um, the biggest thing is we get that letter of insurability to clients so they can remove their subjects. Once you're kind of within that 30 day window, just the biggest thing is don't wait so long that you right. don't know what's gonna happen. Right. Just get in, get it done, and yeah. then you don't have to worry.
0: So we, we've created a new process. And that we're putting a calendar reminder on day 30 to remind our clients, especially this time of year, to call their insurance company back. Mm -hmm. And if they're in that window, bind it, pay for it and move forward. That way, if a fire starts within that 30 day window, are, are we still covered? Totally.
2: Yeah. So the basic the thing that it comes kind of with that is you don't necessarily have that 30-day mark there might be a fire but it gives us 30 days to continually check that map to make sure that there's no fires or the fires become under control it just gives you a, a bigger time frame to get the insurance in place okay so
3: so if they pay for it within those 30 days the insurance company cannot say no I don't insure you if there's a fire close by
2: Yeah, so if they they buy the insurance um, and they sign the application, we get the application sent in to the insurance company, that's a contract and the insurance company can't back out on that. Um, We just have to, like you said, make sure on the day that that the clients come in, we have to make sure that there's no Mm -hmm. fires in the area on that day that we do up the application with them. But once it's signed, it's a contract, we've sent it in, the insurance company is going to issue the policy.
3: I did hear a cl- colleague of ours saying if within those 30 days there's a fire close by, the insurance company can back out. Is that? Is that? No, no. When, sure, no? Once
2: you've purchased the insurance, then they're not they're not able to just back out for the reason of a forest fire. If you've um, you know misrepresented yourself or misrepresented the house, and there's an insurable reason why we can't insure that home. Um, All of a sudden we find out there's aluminum wiring and the company we've put you with doesn't insure it. Okay, those scenarios they can definitely back out because it doesn't fit into their guidelines. Mm -hmm. But if you come in you've purchased insurance. There's no fires that day. Uh, We've checked our map. We've done all of our due diligence and we send it into the insurance company. They're not going to back out after that. Okay.
0: Interesting, right? Yeah. Okay. so, you definitely want to give your clients a call 30 days leading to mm-hmm. possession complete or completion date and get, what's it called, binding insurance? Binding
2: insurance, yeah. Like I said, on that 30 day mark, there might be a fire, but it at least gives us 30 days to continually check. Yeah. It gives us a full 30 days to get something in place for that client.
0: Right, okay. Okay, that's good news. Um, does it differ in flood season? It does 30 days matter in flood season?
2: So it is similar um, to some degree. A lot of times, though, there's no map for us to track what's flooding and where. We just kind of have to be aware of, of what's going on and what's happening out there. Um, the insurance companies are really up on on what's going on with regards to flooding. So if we send an application in, they might come back to us and say, well, we'll give that client coverage for his his pipes, the sewer backup, but we're just gonna exclude flooding because that area is flooding. Or they might say, no, you have to wait. So right. it, it's similar yet different all at the same time to uh, to fire season.
0: Okay, but if you were, let's say now 30 days comes and um, we 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 our clients come in and they they bind mm-hmm. your, their insurance with you, um, and they're not in a high risk floodplain area or they are not aware of it.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And all of a sudden, a bank, a levee breaks, and it floods, but no real damage to the house. So they complete. They have insurance, and then it floods, and then a basement takes on water or something of that nature. Is right. there a gray area there, or is it still still rock solid because the insurance was in place thirty days prior?
2: So it, it depends on when obviously the water entered the basement. For people that are purchasing homes, if the water damage uh, happens while the previous owners are still technically the owners, then your insurance isn't going to pay for that damage. Right. It has to go back to the previous owner's policy. Yeah, yeah. Um, but if you have uh, you purchase a home, it completes, and the next day all of a sudden there's a bunch of water in the basement, and you purchased insurance. Then, as long as you have the correct insurance, that coverage is going to be in place.
0: Okay. Interesting. Um, what about, what is it? Overland water?
2: Overland. Yeah. Overland and groundwater.
0: Okay. Overland water flood. Let's say, well, what's the significance between a 20 year floodplain and a 200 year floodplain?
2: To the insurance company? Not, not much. Um, on what they use is a geo coding system. Um, so it pinpoints a, a home's actual location to a body of water. Um, and determines whether or not it's too much of a, a high risk um, or if it's definitely insurable.
0: Okay. I kind of want to make an imaginary scenario, and and I don't expect you to answer it because <laughs> I'd be putting you in a rough spot. But let's say we were to remove conditions on a transaction. We had a letter of insurability. But it wasn't binding. And let's say um, leading to the date of completion, um, a fire breaks out within 50 kilometers of the property and you were not able to get an insurer to bind the property and we're not going to complete on completion. Now this has happened to me and it, it happened to a lot of people last year and maybe, you know, all the other years And 2003 was probably a massive hectic year for our realtors, but, um, what if the, the, the seller was moving to Oakville, Ontario (laughs) and could care less about our situation with the fire and he needed his money. And let's say he put a hundred thousand dollar deposit on his property that was in multiple offers. And because we didn't complete that gave that seller in Oakville, Ontario, a way out of that deal to get more money. And now the seller has the ability to sue us for performance on our contract and has damn good motive because he just lost a 100 grand and the, the house of his dreams. Better yet, the house of his wife's dreams. Oh, boy. <laughs> so he's got two problems. <laughs> <laughs> and, and let's say, you know, that were to go to court here. I mean, I think there's a really good reason why we didn't perform on our contract, but I think the lo- logistics of it is that we could be sued. I wonder if the insurance company could be pulled into that under impressions that they were insured. Yeah. Were insured.
2: I, I don't know. I mean, there could be the potential for that.
0: Man, it I would be Rob a really, here. it'd be a really <laughs> fun
2: conversation to have with an insurance company to ask them that question. Cause I don't think that most of them really get asked yeah. those types of questions. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm not sure what would happen in that scenario.
0: I think, with being aware of the situation, you can start seeding the problems thirty days out.
2: Definitely, so yeah. Twenty yeah. days
0: out, yeah. fire still going, no insurance. We start to need to build a contingency plan,
2: right? Definitely. That's the importance of not waiting till the last minute is it just gives you a solid thirty days to come right. up with plan B if you know, if it's not able to purchase insurance.
0: Right. I was a victim in 2003 of purchasing a home and could not get insurance and was made aware of this two days before completion. And I was not represented by a realtor in that transaction. So I have nobody to blame but myself. <laughs> um, but I did manage to get insurance, um, through a company in Japan of all places oh, wow. who had created a little niche insurance, um, package, for fire stricken areas that were considered to be low risk inside of that 50 kilometer range. And so oh. I purchased insurance. It was at a premium. And then they offered me insurance for years after that at such a reduced rate until the insurance company folded. Cause I went to get insurance, oh, wow. uh, you know, year, whatever, three or four. And they're like, this was li- literally just a company set up for fire season and it just, just it may come back if there's another great fire area, but it, it was wrapped up and gone.
2: Wow. That's, that's at least that's how they really, appeared to me. That's interesting, yeah. It's it's too bad that there isn't another market that would do that. I mean, we seem to go through a rotating years of really bad forest fire seasons. So yeah.
0: like I mean, if you were at ground level and you lived in Lorne Street and the fire was in Sahali. So you're not gonna get insurance, right? That's way too close. But realistically, your house is not gonna burn down.
2: That was the conversation last year with so many brokers and underwriters. It was like there's no, you know, the entire city would have to completely be destroyed for it to actually reach this house. Or even condos, we're trying to insure condos and, and you're insuring contents and liability. And they would still say no. And again, I was like, well, you know, it would have to destroy so much of the city to reach the condo. Right. And I'm not even asking you to insure the building. I'm just asking you to insure right. $30,000 worth of contents. Yeah. So it is, it is really crazy. I'm going to
3: tell you, that was the conversation I had with my mom when, uh, when I lived in Fort Mac. She said, honey, be careful. I said, mom, the whole town needs to burn for the fire to get to me.
0: Yeah
2: it burnt mm, my treehouse.
1: Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> never say never, yeah. never say never. That's yeah, so like, I think <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. when it comes down to it, you got an investor who's pocketed a, a big chunk of change into a, an underwriter to front the cash for these insurance, you know, companies. And they're just going to stick with the policy that has the best return regardless of the facts, right? Mm. This is what's working and that's what we're sticking to. Mm. Um, we got a little extra time, so I just kind of want to talk about a few other insurance-related items that may come up. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked a little bit about aluminum wiring, and I think we've talked it in a couple other podcasts. So I don't want to dive too deep in it. But what's the significance of having things like aluminum wiring, or knob and tube wiring, or galvanized plumbing?
2: Right. So insurance companies don't like aluminum wiring, obviously, because it it. It heats up, and it expands, and occasionally causes fires. Um, if you have aluminum wiring, you're able to get it pigtailed. Um, they're okay with that, as long as it's pigtailed by professionals and you get uh, a receipt at the end of it showing that it was done professionally. Right. Um, that's their biggest concern, is just the way that aluminum wiring heats up and expands. Um, galvanized plumbing, we still see that in cam loops, but normally it's the main... Uh, It's the main piping system that's coming into the house, and then usually the house has been redone.
3: Updated, And
2: they're okay with that as well, as long as it's not galvanized throughout the entire house. We definitely have to let them know that there is some. Okay. But every case scenario I've I've come across where it's just galvanized at the main entrance of the home, copper after that, they've never said no. So it is definitely doable.
0: Okay. Music to my ears. I just listed a property that way. (laughs)
2: Yeah, it's very expensive to switch out that portion of the plumbing. It's very expensive to switch out the entire house. But I think, you know, it wasn't the galvanized plumbing that was actually the water, the water main coming into the house that was causing the issues. It was the galvanized plumbing throughout the house that was causing issues. Right.
0: Higher rate of oxidization. Mm -hmm. Um, Knob and tube. Do you you insure knob and tube wiring?
2: (laughs) We have specialty markets that will look at knob and tube wiring. It's very pricey.
0: And they probably want an inspection.
2: They want an inspection, yeah. Right. And they want to know if the new owner or the current owner would have plans on replacing that right. because they would definitely prefer that.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And just to kind of give a background, knob and tube, very, very old wiring.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And to some degree, a little more high risk in that if it's never touched, it's probably okay. But when it's in the floor joist cavities of a house... And updates are going on, and you're kind of like moving them gently to run plumbing or new ducting or insulation. They become so brittle,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and mm-hmm. and then then there's a bit of a fire risk for heat, right?
2: Definitely, yeah. So,
0: um, I did hear of an of a an inspection company in Ontario that the home inspector was actually certified to 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 give the thumbs up on knob and tube houses. Oh wow! And they would. So they would come in and it would be a tragedy, right? Hey, we noticed that you have knob and tube. We're going to charge you an extra couple hundred bucks. We're going to do this elaborate inspection on it. And if we give you the green light, you, you, you will be insured at a very nom- nominal rate through this company, um, which is a specialty company that would cover that.
2: Yeah, I don't think that there's a regular market out there that would take on those risks. Yeah, Specialty markets, kind of, their, their niche is the... The odd and the wonderful. Yeah. kind of the not the normal.
0: Okay. Would you go cross-eyed and scream if I told you I had a house that had galvanized plumbing, it had some knob and tube, it had a really old furnace, but I promise you it's good working and just functional. <laughs> and I'm not saying like inspected, just saying you had a client that, that said, it's, you got to see this house. It's just so immaculate that I would just suspect it'd be good. Is there a specialty to market that would take on all kinds of itty-bitty weird things?
2: They would. Um, we'd have to we'd approach all of them, of course, to see if we can, you know, get at least one or two to say yes and get right. different options. But it's very, very expensive if you have, I always say out of those items, is if you have two items that a regular insurance market won't take, you have to go to specialty market and it is going to be, astronomical compared to what a regular insurance market would would charge you
0: right okay cool any closing thoughts
3: Allie. um i have a question Mm -hmm. what's the difference for the insurance companies if it's an individual or a company insuring a house
2: so in In the house market world for insurance, if it's a holding company and the house is the only thing uh, in that holding company's name, it has no other operations, Mm -hmm. uh, most markets would review that, and a lot of them do take that on. They don't like it when businesses um, take on homes in the personal alliance world because the liability isn't set up for companies to own them. Uh, You'd have to get a commercial policy. The commercial liability is set to protect businesses. Okay. So it's more of a liability aspect.
3: So you know how like a couple have a company and they want to just put their house in their company name. Mhm. Cuz I've heard about it be, oh, there's only a couple of insurance companies that I would actually do that.
2: Yeah, exactly. So it it is mainly because either that company has other operations. Yeah. So we have a very limited market to go to. Yeah. Um, but if, if that's the only operations that that company has is owning a home, a rental, a seasonal, yeah. then they're usually okay with that because they're just putting it in a company name, either for tax purposes or for whatever the reason might be. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so as long as there's no other operations, so normally okay.
3: So it goes to my next question. So say they insure this company and it's fine. Do the owners need to get content insurance?
2: It would be included. Okay. Yeah.
3: All right. And if they have sp- very expensive bikes, because you mentioned that at the beginning.
2: Yeah. So we've, is, it in,
3: is it not in the content insurance?
2: So there's special limits of insurance within each homeowner's policy. Um, yeah. And it, that would be for jewelry, bikes, mm-hmm. boats, kind of anything that's a little bit higher risk of maybe being stolen um or just have like a higher value attached to it. Mm-hmm. So we do have a company um that insures bikes with no limit here in Camloops. Mm-hmm. Um we were scheduling so many bikes on with them that they they revisited their policy and said we'll just put no limits on bikes. It's just included in your content limit. Um a lot of the other companies though so if it's a higher value bike, we need to schedule it on. Um there is a small charge for that, but there's usually no deductible. So if your bike was to ever get stolen, you wouldn't okay. pay anything out of pocket.
3: So if I have like a $43,000 insurance, okay, mm-hmm. and uh, my $5,000 mountain bike got stolen and I never told them about it, it doesn't get covered?
2: Well, each company would have a, a okay. limit for bikes. So okay. if that specific company had a $3,000 limit they'd pay you out $3000 okay. and you'd be out the 2000
3: okay yeah thank you that's my closing thought
0: what about prize chickens <laughs> <laughs> and the coop and the coop
3: oh everything's insurable
0: yeah yeah i, <laughs> I got to insure my chickens make sure they're covered i'm getting them on
1: june 30th
0: oh nice yes good
1: i got to insure my dog yes yeah which i thought was insured and isn't but so oh, companies I you do said insure dog, doc, doc,
0: doc,
2: doc, no
0: dog no duck okay. I'm like, dog dog. I don't ever remember seeing a dog at your
2: house. <laughs> <laughs> no. Doc. Okay. Yes, dogs right. Dogs are insurable as well. Oh wow. Well. There are companies out there that will insure them. No way.
0: That's yeah. That, Kids. That just becomes weird. Yeah. Kids. Everything. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> if uh, I were to lose my I dog, it's so not a nominal number that you can you give me that it. makes it.
2: No. They cover um, medical expenses, right? So that's why a lot of people get pet insurance is vet bills. More, more. I had pet insurance.
3: We'll talk about it later. But not from Wilson. No, I didn't. Apparently, it was uh, broken bones, not soft tissue. So I still had to pay. For oh. the toward legament, I'd have just Whoa.
0: finished it off. <laughs> <laughs> right?
1: Yeah. And now she's covered. Oh she's my, my million-dollar baby. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Philip, closing thoughts?
1: Um, I think that was super informative, and I am going to make sure that I talk to all my clients yes. and see if they, if we're in that 30-day limit, and tell them to get out there and do that. Philip and I just that started super, to yeah. <laughs> I <know> we're, we're <laughs> do, Sorry, super rude, but we did a quick text and like, hey client, yeah. time to get insurance. <laughs> yeah. time to get insurance. <laughs> yep. um,
0: I'll say key takeaways for my closing thoughts. I would say the difference between letter of insurability is important to understand yeah. the, and the difference between binding insurance. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, um, it, it, would be super important to be able to make sure that your clients are going back to their insurance company at that 30 day mark to make sure that they're doing everything they can to get that insurance policy in place as soon as possible so that if something were to happen nearby that would affect them completing the deal makes our lives a lot easier and obviously it would make their lives easier as well Mm -hmm. so good good takeaway on that Um, specialty specialty um, underwriters
2: yeah specialty markets Yeah,
0: would be a good a good takeaway too Um, i know that i consistently tell people when there's you know, galvanized running through the, the floor joists of a house, you know, it's not going to look good for insurance. They're probably going to want to replace that. Even to go and get a specialty market to insure it, it's probably cheaper to replace it, especially over two or three years of paying a premium.
2: Definitely. Right? Definitely. Yeah.
0: And yeah. another key takeaway would be the difference between a 20 and a 200 year floodplain. I have a lot of people ask me when they're riverfront property shopping, can I get insurance? Obviously you can, but if there's maybe some claims previously made on that property due to flooding,
2: definitely, you know, some more due diligence
0: yep. is probably required, right? Yeah. Ever flood at your
1: house? No, I haven't. Luckily. Okay. Yeah.
0: Good. I had a small flood yesterday in the house, but had nothing to do with a oh. lake or a river. Oh. More so a hose, but long story. Oh start. dear.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, it wasn't my house. Um I appreciate you coming in and seeing us and taking time out of your day, Keely. I yeah, really appreciate for it. for inviting
2: you. me and having me. So really where
0: do people, how do people get a hold of you?
2: So um, I can be reached by email is the best. I have my email with me all the time, uh, which is uh, kkahill at wmbeck.com. Um, and you can also call our office at 236 4251770. Yep. Um it is a local number. We get that question all the time. 236 is apparently the new 250. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. they two ran three, out six. of 250 numbers.
1: Oh. Good to know. Oh,
2: yeah. Man.
0: Yeah. You kind of always like ditch the 250 sometimes. Yeah. You
2: know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Um and I'll just say if, if you do listen to the podcast on a regular basis, and you do appreciate the content that comes out, please give us a review on Apple. I totally appreciate it. And I just found out that I need X amount of reviews before the reviews actually start to be nominally noted, which is interesting. Yeah, because I've had people say, I I gave you a review, but there's nothing. It still (laughs) shows nothing. You need an X amount of reviews. Oh. So, And I know I only have five friends, and there's six listeners, so someone's not reviewing (laughs) the podcast, right? So... Get out there and uh, give us a review. We'd much appreciate it. And uh, thanks for joining us. And hopefully, you join us uh, next week for our next podcast. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Thank you.